All right, we're back for another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. I'm definitely excited about this conversation. I actually was telling our guest today that I recently came across an article about this organization, uh, the Black Wealth Data Center. And I was blown away that I've never heard about uh, this organization. I, I didn't know exactly what it was, but I pulled up the website and there was just so much information that I've been looking for and seeking. And I said, we have to let the Black equity listeners in on this information. Uh, joining me on today's episode is Natalie Evans-Harris, the Executive Director of Black Wealth Data Center. Welcome to Black Equity Podcast. Thank you, Derek. I'm happy to be here and excited for this conversation. Thank you. Thank you. For those who don't know who you are, I know you always had a, a background or you had a previous background in data. How did you get into this role? Uh, how did this all come to be uh, you being part of the Black Wealth Data Center? Oh, goodness. So I have spent nearly 20 years doing data and technology, primarily focused on social impact. Okay. So I have spent time with the federal government on Capitol Hill and uh, working under both the Obama administration and most recently under the Biden administration, all understanding that if we really want to build innovative solutions that help our, our underserved communities, then we need the data that truly tells that story. And so one of the gaps with the way that data is collected is really around just being able to say, hey, this is about Black people. This is about other races. So being able to collect by race has always been a challenge. And it's one that I've worked on for the last few years. So when I was presented with the opportunity to lead the Black Wealth Data Center, I was um, in awe with the vision of being able to share all of this untapped data and, and use data to really enrich the story of wealth equity across races. We are taking a lens towards the Black community because that history and story is so varied, but our database and the data we present is really to be able to tell the story of the, uh, of the wealth equity, wealth accumulation, and extraction experience based upon race. Because if you really want to help a community, you have to be able to tell the story from that community's lens. I love it. I love it. I know we're going to get into some really great uh, perspectives today on today's episode. So you came across this data, you were in awe, I was in awe. What was the <laughs> first thing that like uh, blew your mind when you first came across this data? So I've worked in this data for years. Where the center really fits is understanding that if you don't play in this data and you don't use this data every day, it can be very overwhelming. To, to use. And so what the center really strives for through the database, through our explore data pages, and through the other parts of the site is to really be able to reduce that barrier to using the data. What we want is for anybody to be able to come and interact with data from census, data from the Center for, for Disease Control, data from the Federal Reserve, be able to interact with it in as lightweight a fashion as possible so that you get to the things that you really need to do as practitioners, policymakers, community organizers, which is developing solutions and moving the needle. How do you think the data can be used for that? Uh, are there key things within the, the data that is being tracked that you believe could help uh, these organizations Absolutely. make those Absolutely. decisions? 
Yep, absolutely. So what's interesting is through the Explore data pages, you're able to, through visualizations, look at data at a national level. So be able to understand not just how debt looks or how assets look by race, but also what types of assets and what types of debt. So we're bringing together data from census. We're bringing together data from the Federal Reserve so that you can really start to understand and clean visualizations and pictures that are filterable by race, by sex, by education, what the wealth, um, what wealth accumulation looks like across varied communities. And then we take it down to the local level. So you can actually look at our maps, put in zip codes, put in counties that tell you an enriched story, not just through data points, but through visualizations, maps, graphs that you can take with you that help you understand the story. And then we have a resource library. And then we have a resource library that you can read what experts are saying around these very topics. Um, I will say that we made a very intentional decision to organize the site by topics. Wealth is a very varied conversation. It is more than just the amount of income that you bring into your household. It's also about entrepreneurship. It's also about home ownership. It's also about so many other factors that we decided we're going to organize by topic to be able to really tell that rich story of what wealth looks like and should include. So Natalie, you just took my question uh, <laughs> that I was gonna ask you, but I'm still gonna ask it and see if I can get yes. pull out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So wait, so wealth isn't just about money. There's, there's a bigger story to wealth than just money. Go figure. Wealth is more than just the paycheck you bring in your house. The paycheck you bring in your house matters, but Wealth is wealth and your wealth assets are really about the things that you can pass down to your next generation. Mm. So think about the home and purchasing a home and being thoughtful about understanding what community are you buying in and how is that creating a wealth opportunity through your home ownership? Thinking about as an entrepreneur, how are you using your business to create capital, to create investments? How are you thinking about employment and employment opportunities, as well as education. I think we forget that education is a way to accumulate wealth because based upon your degree, we've learned that opportunities can vary. It is not the single indicator and getting a degree is not, a nece is not necessary to get wealth, but it helps to understand how it impacts wealth accumulation. When you bring all of these things together, that's how you start to understand your wealth story. I love that. And I know later in this episode, we're going to pull up the website, go through the website together. Uh, you can point out some things to us that we should be paying attention to. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious, I'm, I'm just so you know, I'm the kind of guy that goes behind the scenes of things. Like if I go <laughs> to a cruise, I want to meet the captain, see how the food is packaged. <laughs> I want to know all that stuff. So behind the scenes, just a little bit here, what is the daily uh, things that you're working on as an executive director to work with all these different organizations that are uh, looking at the data or pulling the data in? What are some of the responsibilities that you have as an executive director? That's a, that's a great question. Um, I, am, I am executive director, but I'm not doing this by myself. 
I have a team behind me that spends an, an enormous amount of time getting creative around the visualizations that we produce, making sure that they accomplish our goal of being transparent and easy to use. We spend a tremendous amount of time bringing data in, cleaning it up so that it can be shared based by race and can be aggregated in the most helpful ways. My role as ED, I view as really helping them to be able to do that work, to make the platform as easy to use as possible. But also as a center, we want to partner and we want to build engagements and connections because this data is really only as useful as the people that are using it. So we wanna make sure that this data is easy to get into the hands of the people that need it. So we wanna partner with organizations that work in the data space, that leverage data in really meaningful and important ways so that we can make sure we are a go-to resource to those organizations and to those individuals. And we are seeking to build a network so that we can collaboratively create the resources and data tools that will help those that need this data access this data in really helpful ways. So my role as executive director is to spread the word, is to spread the word and to, to build the connections necessary for us to be able to tell that story around Black wealth equity. I should also point out, we are not here to tell that story. We're here to share the data so that you can tell the story. And so what we wanna do is help you be able to tell that story with the data. I love that. And you know, I will be going through the data and I will <laughs> use some of this information uh, as I'm podcasting and other podcasters that may be listening uh, will be diving into it as well. Now, you mentioned something at the top of this episode that I definitely wanted to get into because I know there had to be, well, I don't know, I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> uh, there had to be some type of pushback with, wait, you're focusing on on Black wealth? You're, why not why not focus on just wealth in general? Why does it, why does there have to be, I mean, this is a guy that is a podcast host of Black Equity Podcast. So I get it. But for those who have a pushback and, and they're saying, well, why is there a race focus to this thing? Why can't we just focus on wealth in general? What do you say to that? I say a couple of things. One, we are the Black Wealth Data Center. And so we chose to focus on the needs of the Black community as a focus, but not as a solely thing, as not as the sole thing you'll learn through our database. Our database is the racial wealth equity database. And we're intentional in that because the data is available once disaggregated by race, the data is available across all races that are collected against. So while we are the Black Wealth Data Center, we are providing data across multiple races to be able to tell those stories. The intentions of Bloomberg Philanthropy's Greenwood Initiative in making this our focus around the Black wealth experience is because that experience in the US is so storied. There have been moments tied to our history that have made that story a little different. And we wanted to focus on that, not because it's the only story, not because they're the only ones experiencing inequity, but because that story is one not often told through data. So how do we, through our work, improve the collection of data around race and improve the data-driven approach to telling the story around race? We focus on the Black community because we need to focus on the Black community. It does not take away from the story of others. No, I, I, I agree, of course. Uh, <laughs> but I just wanted that on the record because I, I notice 
uh, that's a lot of pushback that we get as well is why would you approach it from this lens? Well, first of all, this is the lens that I wear. Uh, so this is the lens that I approach it from. But also, I believe that if we can solve this issue, it almost takes care of a lot of other issues simultaneously. Uh, if we can if we can figure out a way to close this racial wealth gap, it may very well close other gaps that are out there um, that I won't go too deep into today, uh, but it may help in other areas. How do you see this? Uh, how do you see this in the future helping in many various ways? Your organization. Oh. I mean, you hit you hit the nail on the head. For us, it really does center around the data in order to be able to identify those solutions. So we already know that there are challenges with collecting data based upon race. And there are challenges with collecting data at the local level. So because we exist and because we have stayed so focused around data and race-based data, we're doing partnerships that allow us to move the needle in improving collection. Because if we really wanna tell that story, we have to improve the data that's available to be able to show and prove what is happening in our communities. So we'll partner with organizations like the National Neighborhood Indicator Project to fund the creation of data resources at the local level. We'll work with other think tanks and policymakers to develop resources that ultimately make it easier for community-based organizations and others to be able to use data to support their work. And if we do it and we call out the, the challenges with local data collection and collection based upon race, it gives those that have been working in these spaces, researchers in particular, the opportunity to advance solutions in that space. Thank you so much for that, Natalie. Uh, now I'm pulling up the website and for those watching on Spotify, you'll be able to see that I've just pulled up the website. You should be able to still see us in the uh, right-hand corner here, uh, but it is the Black Wealth Data Center that I have pulled up, and uh, take me through, I want to go back to the homepage, if you could just take me through what is it we should be looking for when we first come to the website? Sure, so the first thing that you see is that we are centered and focused around the data and the opportunities and possibilities for the data to empower, to inform, to support. The next thing you'll see is our database and a link to our database, because at the end of the day, that's where you go to get the information. That's where we want you to go as your go-to resource. A launch video, because we just launched in mid-September, and some of this content will evolve as the center grows and evolves. But that homepage is your first spot just to see overall what is happening with the center. If you scroll down a little bit more, you'll get easy access to our resource library and our data methodology. We thought it was very important that we tell you how we view data. How do you cite our data? What data are we using? And what are our practices? Because you wanna trust where you get the data from. So if you see how we view data and how it should be used and how we haven't used it, it hopefully helps you understand how you can use it in your work. Well, you just mentioned something that I think is uh, important for us to, to note. This is fresh off the press. You say you just launched in September. This episode will be airing in October of 2022, by the time people are listening to it, it's the end of October. It's only been a month or two since this data has gone out. Already I'm blown away. What more could you possibly add over the next two or three years that's going to even take it to another level? 
Oh, so much more. A little bit of wait and see, but <laughs> what we're really centered around is right now, our, um, our racial wealth equity database mm -hmm. is fairly robust, but there's lots of data out there to grow. So we're definitely focused on increasing the robustness of okay. our database so that it has more data that's useful, a diverse set of data. So right now we're primarily focused on federal data sets, mm -hmm. but there's lots of data out there, private, state, local data. We want to be able to bring more of that data in to enrich the Explore data pages, and you'll see additional visualizations. Every single visualization is interactive and customizable. So we want you to be able to have more ways to look and understand the data. As I said, partnerships and growing our community, we want to get as close to the people as possible. I think when dealing with data, you sometimes forget that it, it's more than data points. These are real people in real communities. And what we're hoping is to build that bridge so that the people that are focused on the data can also work with and support the people that are focused on the communities and advancing these innovative solutions. I love that. Do you mind if I click on this video just so we can get a little taste? Absolutely. Uh, okay. Let me... On average, Black families in America have one-eighth the wealth of white families. We're working to help change that with data. Data allows us to get to the root of problems and uncover solutions. And data has a critical role to play in building a more equitable society. It empowers the public to demand their leaders take action and then hold them accountable for results. For so long, those of us who want meaningful change haven't had the data to support our work. The problem is essential data that would help us uncover new ways to build wealth in black families is out of date, inaccessible, or incomplete. To help fuel the racial wealth equity movement and harness the power of data, we join with partners to create a new go-to data resource. It's called the Black Wealth Data Center. The Black Wealth Data Center will provide leaders with the most comprehensive <laughs> yes. data we can find to tell a fuller, more accurate story of Black wealth in this country. It's a source of data. It's a source for insight for people beyond just researchers. And so it's incredibly helpful in being able to build solutions not outside of those who are impacted, but with them. I can look at Los Angeles, or I can look at rural Mississippi to census tracts or neighborhoods and understand where the disparities are. This allows better economic interventions and policy interventions. The Black Wealth Data Center does such an excellent job of laying out data across multiple topics in multiple ways. It's the accessibility of this data, your ability to understand it and to manipulate it in a way that tells the story you need to tell. As a fintech company, we are being challenged to make the case in terms of why someone should make a capital allocation. But to be able to have the data that allows us to connect all those dots is very powerful and enables us to paint a picture that will drive more investment, to drive more innovation, to bring more people into the financial mainstream. Our goal is to give leaders the tools and data they need to speed up progress towards racial wealth equity and to help guide our way forward. Great video, great video. I want to dive into exploring the data, if you don't mind. Absolutely, that's the fun part. All right, so I've, <laughs> I've just clicked explore data 
and uh, we have the website pulled up here. Choose a topic to start and explore the data. Where do you think yeah. we should begin? Uh, so how about we begin with assets and debts? So I will say this introduction page sure. is really providing you an overview of the different topics and areas for explore data. And we started with questions because sometimes it can be really overwhelming to dive into the data. So these are bullet, these are points and initial questions that you can ask of the data if you're looking for a starting point. Mm. So you can click on the assets and debts tile or up at the top. Yep. Thank you so much. Go ahead and accept your cookies. <laughs> I'm not much of a, a cookie person, but I will accept them today. Assets <laughs> and debts, okay. What do we jump to? So you'll see at the top that there is a way to jump national, state, local, or look at our data methodology. How about we start at the national? Okay. And so you can click there, you can scroll down. So you'll see right off the bat that this first graphic shows you total assets for households by race and ethnicity. Hmm. So without doing anything else, you'll initially see with you'll initially see with that green line at the bottom that black households started in 2007 with an accumulation of assets around 207,000, I believe is the number. Mm -hmm. And then by 2019, it's up to about 296, 200 and what is that? 40, 56,000. What you'll notice though, is that black households overall accumulate less assets than other races. This is why it's so important to not only see what's happening in one community, but across all the communities. You'll see some have seen an increase in assets over time. Others, the increase hasn't been as much. You can click on debt and you can see the same thing tied to debt. Mm. Yeah, I see. As you, you see? Mm. So, it's, so what we want is you to be able to see the data in really clear and easy ways by race. It tells a powerful story of where we start and where we are today. I won't go through all of the filters, but there is an opportunity to also look at debt and assets and net worth by highest level of education, sex, and age. Wow. So when we're looking at this, even though it's called Black Wealth Data Center, we're really looking at wealth from all communities and comparing and contrasting, well, where is Black wealth currently? And using this data, how do we improve uh, the situation for Black wealth overall. Am I understanding that correctly? Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And if you scroll down a little bit further, mm -hmm. it tells an even more detailed story around the types of assets and debts. Because it's one thing to say average debt accumulation, but some of that debt is what we consider good debt and some of right. it not so much. Right. So you'll be able to see by asset type and then a little further down by debt type, what the situation actually looks like by race. So total debt for the Black community is $84,337 in 2019. Compared to other races, it is the lowest amount of debt. But then if you click on something like credit card balances, it'll give you a little bit more sense of where that debt looks like. So for credit card debt, we'll see. For Black households on average, it is lower debt. But if you click on education, mm, you'll see that it is significantly it. higher. I was getting there. You're jumping. <laughs> wow. That's amazing how much that goes up compared to other areas. So it tells you a more. So being able to look at the data this way by race gives you a more nuanced story. 
And we're hoping that by doing it through these interactive charts, it makes it easier. You're able to get this information in a matter of minutes. Something that would typically have taken somebody looking for this hours, if yeah. not days, to be able to source themselves. If you scroll down a little bit more, mm -hmm. now we're starting to get into the maps. So with the maps is where you can start to look at state for this one, and then the next one is local. So I think you just hover over, you can, yeah, how about you play with it and I'll tell you what you see. <laughs> well, I'm in, I'm in North Carolina, so. Okay. Although we are a global podcast, I'll do North Carolina. <laughs> All right. Now, what do so I see? So now if you hover over North Carolina. Oh, okay. What you'll see is that the average amount, average um, asset accumulation is seventy five thousand mm. dollars for for all races. If you want to see it by a certain race, you can filter based upon that race on the under the filters on the right. Okay, we'll click uh, black. Mm -hmm. And you'll mm -hmm. see for black, even though the average for all races is seventy five, for black households it's seventeen thousand. Mm. an asset what does that mean when i'm processing that data what does that so mean to you so to me what that tells me is that while the average individual is accumulating seventy five thousand dollars in assets when you take out race as a factor which many of our national reports do when you bring race into it what you'll actually see is that an individual is accumulating seventeen thousand dollars in assets based upon, um, I'm sorry, for black households, $17,000. That is significantly less yeah. than if you take than if you take race out of the um, situation. So when you're looking at solutions and when you're thinking about ways to support wealth equity and asset accumulation, it helps to know by race what it looks like today and who needs help and in what ways. There's this, there's this, um, this, idea out there, this ideology that numbers never lie. Mm -hmm. But there could be a slanted view of numbers. If I'm looking at something from a national level and I'm thinking, oh, well, my state, you know, we have a great median of 75,000 of assets. But then once we cut it down to each individual, um, uh, I guess, sector or, or ethnicity or race, mm -hmm. we start seeing a, a, a different side of the story. Sometimes the truth is hidden behind these bigger numbers that uh, we may not be able to, to go deeper, deeper into without something like this in front of us. It's a nuanced story. And I think that's one of the things we want to make sure is understood. Data doesn't lie, but based upon the data you have, you might be missing some nuances that can really drive major impactful change. That's why it's so important to make data as accessible as possible. Definitely. I just pulled up, I kept scrolling down. Now we're looking yeah. at the percentage of population in poverty by race and ethnicity. Oh boy, what, what does that mean? <laughs> what am I looking at? Uh, help me understand this. Sure. So remember we're in the assets and debt um, section. Okay. And so with this map, we're looking at... Um, percentage of the population that is considered at or below the poverty level. Wow. Okay. And based upon race. So right now the map defaults to county. You can also look at it by zip code 
And then if you look at it by zip code, you can look at the filters to be able to then organize the data. So we'll typically go in um, to the zip code area. It's a lot of data behind this one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's taking a second to pull up. Mm -hmm. Okay. Ooh. And so the the orange, that means the bottom 25%, that means people who are more into poverty. Is that am I understanding that correctly? So yes, so there's gray, which is insufficient data. Then the bottom 20% of geographies are the, are the counties or the zip codes that um, are at or below poverty level. They're the wow. one, I guess they're the ones that are doing it that have least amount of people okay. in poverty. Oh, least amount of people are zoned. Okay. Interesting. So then if you, yep. And so then if you look at the zip code filters, Oh, uh, zip code filters, okay. Yep. Actually, I'm going to tell you to do something a little different. Go over to the left. You'll see there's a little magnifying glass there. Sure. Go up to the magnifying glass. Uh, nope, click on the actual magnifying glass. Okay. Right there. And you okay. can type in a county or a zip code of interest. Okay. Uh, I live in Charlotte, so I'll type in Mecklenburg County. There you go. Okay, and how do I, okay. Yeah, there you go. Oh, oh, you zoomed the map. Okay, so if you scroll down mm -hmm. on the table at the bottom, you'll be able to see oh, wow. based upon race, what percentages are at or below pop, uh, property and what the population percentage is for that race. And what are these right here that say the 01001? What do those mean? I believe those are the zip codes. Oh, okay. So it says black percent below poverty, 38.2%. Mm -hmm. Hispanic below poverty, 47.8%. White and percent. This data yep, and this data is out there and available. It's with the US Census American Community Survey. But yeah. it's not always easy to be able to, to, to get to this information quickly. And we like to believe that the things we're providing are the things that are most that are, that are the things that are most helpful in understanding the state of, of black or racial wealth equity. And then it says white percent below poverty, 7.5%. I mean, goodness gracious. <laughs> when you look at the difference there, I mean, it's telling you right there in your face. There's something wrong here. I can see there being a difference, but for there to be a difference of 40% or 30 something percent in, in who's uh, below poverty and who isn't, I mean, goodness. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. If you'd like, I can show you one additional, um, not on this page, but if we go over to home ownership, there is another graphic on that page that I think is really important. To okay. telling the story. Um, so if you go up to explore data arrow. Sure. And click on home ownership. Okay. And then scroll down to, or you can click local. Okay. Everyone bear with us. We're just pulling up the, the map here. And thank you for watching on Spotify. You can actually see everything we're doing. Okay, the map is pulling up. 
So if you scroll down a little bit, what you'll see is this map is actually telling you the relationship between areas of Black homeownership and social vulnerability to disasters. So if you remember earlier in our podcast, we talked about that wealth story is a very rich story. Yes. And when we think about homeownership as a wealth, as a wealth asset or a wealth indicator, we sometimes don't take into consideration the things that affect the values of homes, such right. as natural disasters. So what we included on this home ownership page is our social vulnerability index, which is an index that's created by the Center for Disease Control, which tells you the vulnerability of a county to natural disasters, such as maybe a water crisis or a hurricane, mm -hmm. and its impact on Black home ownership. So if you go under, uh, so if you go under county. You can type in there, um, oh, it has split my mind, the county for Jackson, Mississippi. Oh, that's a good topic. Yeah, there's a lot going on right now. Okay. Hines, H-A-I-H-I-N-D-S, H. H-I-N-D-S? Yes. Okay. There you go. So if you just focus on Hines, can, oh, before, go back to all and you have to unclick all. There you go, unclick all, and then type in Heinz. Unclick all. <laughs> there we go. Now type in Heinz. There you go. There, there you go. So there's Heinz County. If you hover over Heinz County, you just have there you go so what you'll see is that Hines County has a social vulnerability index of 87 percent and a population of 70 a black population of 73 percent with 61 percent um, owning homes in mm -hmm. Hines County what does wow. that mean yeah. that means that if we're paying attention to our social vulnerability index we know that they are incredibly vulnerable 87 percent that's high we want to pay attention to the counties that are in that fourth quadrant. High Black population, high vulnerability index means that your home in that area is at risk. You want to know that when you think about home ownership as, an, as, an, as a wealth indicator. And we want to know that so we can build in the infrastructure or build in the things to, to protect equity and home ownership in those areas. So when we start to think about solutions and how the data can support that, that's what we wanna see happen. We wanna see that because we've brought this data together, you're able to understand what equity could and should look like across all of these areas. Does that data tell us why that's happening? Obviously there was a water crisis in Jackson, Mississippi, but does it tell us how that's happening or why the vulnerability is so high? Uh, so we provide the data, not necessarily the context. Yeah. So but what it does is, and this data was produced in 2018. So we've wow. known since 2018, at least, that Hines County, Mississippi had a high vulnerability to natural disasters. Right. And when you start to look at which counties do, you can start to build solutions that protect them from today forward. Okay. 
You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So while we cannot say that because they're popular, that because they're 87% vulnerable, that that means that the next time that they, you know they're going to run out of water, we can't predict that. But we're providing the data to the people who can make those predictions, right. to the people that can take that data in and make that analysis themselves. Or take that data and go, we're vulnerable. And then here's what that vulnerability could mean to us across a variety of things. Wow. That's powerful. And thank you for showing me that. I'll have to play around with that map more and see uh, what else I can find. Yes. Is there anything else you wanted to point out before we head out today? Uh, Sure. How about we do a quick look at the resource library? Okay. And then... um, So the resource library, we thought it was important that in addition to being able to dive deep into the data, that you also be able to find resources that can support your understanding and information around the certain topic. So if you scroll down, you'll see that our resource library is really a collection of research, case studies, information around a variety of topics. If you want to dive deeper and understand more about access to credit or or lending discrimination, we are regularly updating the resource library with information that we trust and will think valuable to the folk, to the individuals that come to the site and want to learn more. Okay. So this is kind of a a hub of different articles and publications from, from trusted sources where we can pull that from, maybe even build a podcast around or build an additional study around uh, that the, that our uh, community and network can use to um, extract this data and do some really great things for our community. Yep. Great. Oh, and you can also notice if you go to the connect page, remember one of the things I talked about was building community around the data. Yes. Um, Yes. Connect. So what we also want to make sure is as you scroll down, you can see who we've already started to partner with, but you can also sign up for our newsletter and keep up with us and the events and activities we may have going on. Oh, awesome. So you see, so you can say, so there's the, please um, get in touch with us um, link down there so that you can share ideas, volunteer, join our network, because we want this to stay as people driven and people focused as we can. Oh, and you have an upcoming webinar as well. So tomorrow, yes, okay. we do at one o'clock. Perfect. You can RSVP right there. I might just do that. I might have to uh, hop in there and uh, see what's mm-hmm. going on. Yes. But this is awesome. And I, you know, I was blown away when I first came across this website. I'll definitely make sure we have the links in the show notes. Um, how has your experience been so far, uh, you know, working as the executive director? And what do you hope to accomplish during your time there? I have loved being in this role and working with both the Bloomberg Philanthropies Greenwood Initiative team, Prosperity Now, who is our incubator and our host as we grow the center. And just the reception that we've had since we've launched has been um, inspiring. So many people, I've lived in this data world for so long Mm -hmm. and to see so many people craving this data and, and seeing the value in having this data the way it is and ideating around what we can do to keep pushing forward has been, it gets me up in the morning. That and my daughter, it gets me up in the morning and keeps me going. So I have loved everything about this and look forward to not just increasing the quantity and quality of data available 
that's race-based and can really tell our story, but also the capacity of, and, and supporting people in making data-driven decisions and, and solutions. So I want to see I want to see more data and I want to see it used to really help our communities. I thank you again, Natalie, for stopping by Black Equity Podcast. Uh, I know we're really early uh, to this conversation. Hopefully you have an open invite uh, as things progress, as more partnerships happen. We look forward to uh, documenting the journey uh, and uh, talking with you again soon in the future. Thank you so much, Derek. I've enjoyed this conversation. Thank you.